Nah, that's like more Shrek 2 vibe. Yeah. I don't know, man. You you bring you bring me some thoughts, some disco. I don't know. I don't like disco. I was just thinking that song like get down, get down, get down, get down. That's a good one. Get down. But that's uh fucking Tarantino. It's the wrong fuckboy all tour. You know? Oh, welcome to the new Pancho Cinecast. The new. This is uh, where we host. try to crown the new fuckboy Otura. <laughs> this is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I'm here today with, ooh, it's my little boogie boy. It is the one and only DM extraordinaire, Phil. <laughs> How's it going, Phil? We're back. It's We're back on nicknames. New, it's the new <laughs> podcast. It's new. I, I hope everyone's enjoying all the newness that's happening. Yeah, it's so it's new. So new. I can't can't even recognize the podcast anymore, yeah. dude. It's so new. Like, who are There's we? There's new it's music so and new. stuff in, in in the podcast. There's new arcs. I know. New tripper attitudes. I know. Like you know, it's amazing. Yeah, new attitude. It's and it's just you know, new fans. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Love it. I love the new fans because, hey, over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, you can support the podcast. As always, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you're subscribed to us. Make sure you leave some comments uh, if you can or or uh, over on Apple. Give us a review. You know, hey, like the podcast, review it, leave us ratings, hook us up. It helps us out, especially over there on Apple. But then over on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, you can support us for as low as one dollar or one pound a month, you can just hey throw your support. You know what you get. You know what's Every new. Little helps. You know what's new, Phil. What's new and on the new? These episodes are dropping early, at least one or two days early. We're dropping early for all Patreon subscribers. What a bargain! It doesn't matter what level you're subscribed at. You're gonna get early episodes, and it's great because it comes out early. New. Early you know what we're talking bonus. about before everyone else. So get in early. You can spoil it if you want. But then also, $5 or more a month, you get bonus episodes. Ooh. We have a whole plethora of bonus episodes in the back catalog there on Patreon. Uh, we did accidentally skip out on the month of May, but we've been very busy with the cinema reopening, so we do apologize. But we have a lot of fun things that we have down in the pipeline that are going to come out this month in June. Uh, I want to send a shout out to our latest Patreon subscriber. It's Carlos ciao and I'm sorry if I said your name wrong but uh, I hope you're listening to this and I appreciate you for becoming a cinecaster over thank there you. on Patreon nice, nice. Um, and I want to thank all of our past you know patrons we love you guys so thanks for uh, always supporting us it's great Phil ah. it's the new podcast Ooh. we got new things going on it's the new yeah. new music new theme songs New music. I mean, we almost had new music. We almost did. Almost. I got bullied out. The new theme song. Yeah. Debuted on the gritty reboot. But it was great. And you should have kept it. We were planning to keep it. Yeah. And then our boy Chaz Mundo over on Instagram. I love you, Chaz Mundo. Uh, Jamie. Jamie. (laughs) It's another Jamie. Jamie. Uh, (laughs) Love you, brother. But. 
you you got to me. You got to me by saying that he preferred the old theme song. You heard John Felix. And uh, I stupidly listened you to wrong. you at the last minute, even though I knew the new theme song was actually <laughs> far superior. And I uh, and I changed it out. You gotta be and then careful on the internet. I bro. sent it out, and then I regretted it ever since. So this episode, I hope you have already been annoyed by the fact that the new theme song is playing the poll at the beginning. That otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, the poll actually, I did a poll. The poll said the otherwise. Poll said otherwise. More people were enjoying the new song, you know. So, uh, so we're back I'm to the sorry. new song. Deal with it. It's, it's new. It's coming back. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You do what you want. It's new. It's all new. If we had the old theme song, we would be lying. It's the new podcast in the cosmos. I appreciate Jamie Chasmundo over on Instagram uh, saying, like, giving his opinion because everyone's got to give their opinions on things, and that's what we're doing. Like, hell, yeah, we're doing that, this new arc. There's a lot of opinions going around. But uh, before we get to that, you know. Flying hot take. Jamie, Jamie did, uh, he did say that he he would like a mashup of all the snack time themes. And uh, he's joining the sentiment of my lovely wife who has been bugging me to do a big mashup of all the snack time themes. And Phil actually was just saying, hey. Gotta let's, happen. Let's do all the music. Let's have the Pontoral Cinecast. All the songs. Uh, all the songs. Uh, an album or whatever, or playlist, whatever. So I'm going to work on that, guys. If you want it, it will it will come. If you ask for it, I can't it wait. will come. Because uh, there's, the <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stupid music. There's a lot of stupid music from the last 100 plus episodes. So It's so good. You, I feel like it's very underappreciated. Um, I appreciate it. You know, it's not like we're buying the tracks. Yeah. You know? You you're writing them and recording them and editing them and they they fucking slap and they're always yeah. great and it'd be Good nice stuff. to you know I don't want to have to sit through a whole episode to get to the fucking snack time sometimes I just want to put it on yeah I just want to put on you know the snack time you think could it get me in the mood Jamie said that he wanted to for food he uh, wanted to have <laughs> a snack time alert set on his cupboard where his snacks are so that when he opens it up it's just like it's snack time. <laughs> <laughs> Snack time. <laughs> it's snack time. Just that voice over and over again. That weird I would robotic just, Australian I'd be sat guy. in the kitchen all day just, <laughs> yeah, just fucking opening and closing the cabinet. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, Phil. What's happening? New stuff here on the Patrol Cinecast. We'll we'll figure out this, uh, this music someday. <laughs> But uh, we're here in our second official week. We made it. Of our new arc pitting the films of... Directors Wes Anderson versus Paul Thomas Anderson, both of whose films are shown throughout this summer at the Prince Charles Cinema. Head over to PrinceCharlesCinema.com. Get your tickets. It's white boy summer. They're all playing <laughs> white boy summer. Yeah, it's very white. It's very white boys. Uh, it's Anderson versus Anderson. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> Another one that fucking bangs. Uh. Change my mind. Change my mind. I'm mad sweaty right now. Yeah, it's so hot, god damn it. <laughs> Summer is here, guys. Oh, my God. It's so goddamn sorry. 
fucking hell like you're fanning yourself i just feel like we need to say it now yeah. i feel like i'm like i've been sat yeah. in this spot i mean it works for, for what we're talking and about like later definitely a pool collecting underneath <laughs> it works that we're hot and sweaty oh yeah for definitely we're talking about later but uh fucking hell yeah. um <laughs> yeah Last week on the podcast with Anderson versus Anderson, we were talking about Wes Anderson's debut feature, Bottle Rocket. So this week we've turned our attention to the king of the slow burn, the master of the moving camera, and the man who once loved an ensemble film. And then he met Daniel Day-Lewis and Joaquin Phoenix, and he decided to make <laughs> more so single character driven films. Fuck that. And... He's another Anderson that loves music. By God, he probably loves it a little too much as Paul Thomas Anderson. Weighing in at 285 <laughs> pound, whatever. I mean, not that big, fuck. Especially during the year. Coke you. <laughs> Before we get into what we're, uh, <laughs> the meat and potatoes of this episode, uh, let's let's get into our thoughts on on one Mr. Paul Thomas Anderson. What, you are in PTA camp. You've uh, self-proclaimed yourself as a PTA supporter. Team PTA. Yeah. For life. Yeah, no surprise there. I think I I made no bones about it last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of PTA movies, man. I think he's one of the best directors living and working today. Um, and what a fucking interesting career he's had. You know, when you look back, it's like... It, could have been what 20, 20, almost 20, 30 years. All right. Almost 30 years of him making movies and hasn't made that many movies. It's like eight, eight movies. Am I right? Yeah. Not prolific enough. <laughs> I'm just joking. Not just very joking. prolific, but, <laughs> but I don't mind. Look, if we're talking like, if you want to use like a, a fucking music analogy, I would rather take like someone who spent three or four years on an album and it's something they really believe in and it's good. And it's like eight to 10 tracks. Then fucking Drake who dropped two albums a year and 20 tracks and it's mostly featured. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's bullshit. You're just yeah. fucking, you're just working for the stream, man. You're working for that dollar and that's not PTA. PTA movies never make money, but they're always incredible. Each film is singular and innovative and powerful and emotionally devastating in ways I don't understand. Like, I just infinitely relate to the shit he throws up on screen. I think he's great. I think he only gets better with age. And just every time he releases a movie, I mean, I usually love it. Like, no, I'm not even trying to. I'll just, I usually naturally love it. But at the very least, he's always interesting and always gives me shit to think about. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't, I don't think I can say that for the other Anderson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very much. You know, a different style. But go ahead. It's a different style. I I like that. I, I like that style. music analogy. But style. I do want to know who's the uh, who's the prolific director who's like the OCs or like your Ty <laughs> Siegel, the one who uh, you know because they're always releasing albums like multiple a year, but they all fucking slap. So it's like who's the one who's like the yeah, really yeah. prolific director who's always making films and they're always awesome. I don't know. Does it exist? Is that possible? No one. <laughs> No, but it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm the only one I can think of is someone like Nick Cage who just makes like 10 movies yeah. a year and it's mostly bollocks, you know? Yeah. He's great, but like a very, very rarely that one hit. But when yeah. it hit, it hits big. Like Mandy fucking hit. I mean, because there's like... And Mandy will carry him for a while. There's like Takashi Miike who like 
is always making films, but they're not always great. Yeah, but <laughs> they're not always great. Yeah. Exactly. We always show them and everybody's like, eh, I don't know about yeah. this one. Yeah, I guess they're more applied to actors because it's fucking hard to like do Woody Allen, but that's a horrible example. But he's made a movie a year for his whole career. Yeah. But fuck Woody Allen, obviously. Yeah. But I'm saying that's the example. I think some people might say he, fuck Paul Thomas Anderson as well, though. So, um, Yeah, I know. We'll probably get into it. And Yeah. I Look, I have my own thoughts about it. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't think I, it's... It's it's not a fucking Woody Allen situation though, isn't it? It's not it's not a fucking Roman Polanski situation here. No, no, it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. But I, you know, getting into uh, the second film, I was like excited to get back into this, and I was, you know, it's been a while, and we'll get into the film in a second. But I was like excited, just kind of to see where I thought, and I've always the whole point of this really kind of stemmed from me trying to figure out where I stand on PTA um, as a director. Cause like <laughs> yeah, yeah. some of his films I like, some of them I just don't know about some, I just kind of hate. And I just don't really, I just <laughs> don't know. Like, cause so many people like him so much. And I just, I almost don't really get it. Like, like, I, I don't know if I'm just stupid. <laughs> like, I just feel like I'm stupid sometimes. Nah, like, man. Nah, but, uh, fuck that. Shit's shit objective. Yeah. Cause like, when we're going, when we're talking about like the Wes Anderson films and stuff, and I know his his style gets kind of weird. It's like kind of suffocates his later works and stuff. Um, where yeah, it's a good way. Of it's like it. it's not as fun anymore. But at least his first few films are just so fun, and I just have a lot more fun watching them. Whereas PTA's films are just not fun at all. Like there's not even like they're heavy. They're just Boogie Nights and fun. It's not. <laughs> it's. It's not. We'll get into yes, it. it. We'll get into it. We're ruining it. it. But um, it's oh. got fun moments. His films have fun moments. But the thing is, he, it's weird. These guys are very strange. They do the the ensemble flip, right? Like so. Uh, <laughs> they do. They completely flip. <laughs> they fucking. Which pass is why each I other. like Wes's early stuff. Yeah. And I like PTA's later stuff. Yeah. I prefer singular, smaller movies. I just find yeah. them more satisfying. Like he sort of does the ensemble on his third film. And I'm I'm wondering if both of these guys get it right with their third films because like I was like I was like, all right, this can be interesting. Like, you know, a post uh post bottle rocket last week we were, we were both kind of disappointed in hard eight. So we we're just kind of like, oh, it's gonna be interesting. I'm really excited mm. to get into the film we're talking about today. And I was just kind of like, huh, what's gonna happen? But then it was kind of kind of not what I thought. So I'm like, I'm wondering if I'm always going to be chasing like the dragon, dragon with you PTA. know, like just thinking that I'm going to find something that's never really there. And then you get, you got to like, let them wash over you. Yeah. You know? And then you get, you get the, the, the personal life of Paul Thomas Anderson, which is like today it's a very clean cut image and we love him at the cinema and stuff. And he's been very nice to us over the years. And I'm not going to like, make any excuses his his whole thing with Maya Rudolph just seems really sweet they seem like a fun couple but then there's like his past and he just seems like that's why I said fuckboy auteur like earlier because like <laughs> that's about films, right yeah. like the films he make like just feel like that and that's I think that's why I always sort of had that vibe like when I'm watching his films like it's just like oh come on like you know get over yourself and then whereas like I just think Wes Anderson is just like whatever he doesn't give a shit I'm just making whatever I want to make it's just weird twee bullshit who cares 
Um, PTA done. But PTA done. Get over it. West done. <laughs> PTA like after Magnolia, it's out of his system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he moved on, and he matured into a unrecognizable director. I'm hoping he's matured as a person because I think, so. like, I think it's it's right that we bring this up because uh, I I was earlier today. Yeah, yeah, I for was sure. Pumping out like um some stuff like saying, oh, which team are you on? And I like you guys to hit us up at the PCC podcast. Team Anderson, or sorry, T. Not you can't do Team Anderson. That's stupid because I won't know which one team. you're talking about. <laughs> team West or <laughs> Team PTA. I want to know which which side you guys are on. Um, it's very but fun. Not, and it's not Paul WS. And not Paul WS. We'll get into him later. But Jesus Christ, guys. Yeah. He's his films aren't playing in the cinema. Guys. This is like a this is inspired by the cinema. <laughs> you shouldn't have to explain. I don't have to explain this yeah. to you guys. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but oh, okay, so oh, I, I was throwing up. this stuff out, you know, PTA versus Wes Anderson, and like sharing it via the the PCC account and everything, like uh, the cinema account and stuff, and just trying to get more eyes on it, seeing how many people like you know lean on one side or the other. Um, it was very neck and neck, like because I ran a story on both both our Instagram at the PCC podcast, but then also Prince Charles Cinema on Instagram as well. And it was very neck and neck. Like there was a lot of people who were Wes Anderson early on on the the main cinemas page. Mm. Let me see what it is right now. Uh, <laughs> PTA is winning right now on ours, and it's by seventy five percent to twenty five percent. So very strong. But over uh, on a podcast fan, no what's up? Yeah, but over on uh, on the Prince Charles Cinemas page, the cinema page. It's fifty three percent PTA to forty seven West, so it's like really close. And there have that's fucking close been a man. lot of votes. So it's like two hundred seventeen votes for PTA, one hundred eighty nine for Wes Anderson. So wow, and that, so that's like a fair uh, amalgamation of uh, yeah. And I appreciate that, and that's thought. that's really cool because it seems like a lot of people. Yeah, thank you for voting. Yeah, thanks so much because it seems like people are really like Get into down. it and stuff, and like uh, we have an audience for both, and that's really good. But then also, from that, our good pal Manish, who is also a Patreon subscriber, so we appreciate that. He rightfully brought up the uh, Fiona Apple story that came out last year. And I kind of remember this. I remember Ariane was talking about this a little bit as well. I remember it when her album, it when her album dropped, which yeah. was a great album. Shout out Fiona Apple. Yeah. Fetch the bolt cutting. Sick. Listen to that shit. Alright. <laughs> if you're gonna talk about the story, listen to Fiona. Yeah, listen to yeah. it like while while you're it's you're great. listening to this. Listen to it at the same time. That'd be weird. Exactly. It's a good soundtrack. But yeah, Fiona Apple, she came out like about her relationship with PTA and basically said that he was coldly critical and contentious during their relationship. They apparently collaborated in their work, did drugs together, uh <laughs> Like yeah. coke and ecstasy, drank a lot. You know what I mean, dude? Yeah, they were drinking a lot. And then she said that he was very harsh with her, saying really harsh things and telling her that she was a bad partner, making her look unstable. And once he even shoved her out of a car. Oh, God, yeah. And we'll get to this later, but we're talking about a film today and the film that he was nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. He did not win, and he threw a chair across the room. He should have won, though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, dude. So, that's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, have you, like, 
we'll, we'll get, no, I won't mention it now. We'll get to it. I think with Magnolia, but there's footage there where you can really see it. Fucked up, yeah, definitely fucked up. But that's a you know obviously a dysfunctional relationship yes. at the very fucking least, and like a clearly emotionally like immature twenty something cokehead Hollywood filmmaker. Yeah. Not defending him, but that's exactly what it is. And that, you know, it's like, as long as he's not that person now, I hope he's not that person now. Yeah, yeah. I doubt it. I hope so as well. Um, I Yeah, because yeah. I, I want to put this out there as like, I wholeheartedly understand if people were like, you know, listen to this and just being like, you know, I don't want to fucking hear about these guys. Like, fair enough. And you know, I, yeah. I understand where you're coming from because it's fine. Fair enough, fine. don't then. And I yeah. am not defending it because yeah. for the most part, I don't even fucking like most of his films, so it's fine. I won't be defending him anyway. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I, uh, yeah, I, I you can't defend that and I can only hope that he's grown and he's not like that anymore and that, like, you know, I hope that most people are, you know, in better places than they are in their 20s and shit and they, like, grow up and stop being dickheads and mm. the piano apples in a much better place <laughs> as well like you know it seems like she's doing well and like that i don't know man yeah, yeah. it's fucked up stop doing drugs you know if you got a drug problem talk to someone and don't abuse your partners because it's not cool and this film it's unfortunately not a cool. very drug induced film and a lot of abuse and violent <laughs> movie. bullshit yeah. written by a 20 year old he's a dumb You're making a movie about uh, the porn industry <laughs> Yeah, you're making a movie about the porn industry. That's exactly what yeah. it's going to be. So as we mentioned last week, we discussed PTA's 1996 debut feature, Heart 8, a.k.a. Sydney, Sydney in our uh, Snack Time in Hell on episode 100, part two, uh, the gritty reboot. Uh, that's the old oh, yeah. Patrol Cinecast, so we don't talk about that anymore. But that's the old, though. This is the new. Yeah, it's the new. It's the new. Come on, get hip. Um, so neither Phil and I really dug that film that all that much, so... We will move on to his second yeah. feature this week. We're foregoing OnlyFans and Pornhub, and we're getting back, you know, just we're going back in time with this one. Back to uh, the golden age of porn of the late 70s and early 80s. Where we had to go into, pu- into a public place <laughs> to watch people yeah, get off. Proper film crews were filming porno flicks on film, on film sets, with actual film being released in the cinemas. This is your grandfather's porn we're talking about, and it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> disgusting. Seeing we didn't uh, do this when we talked about Heart Eight a couple of weeks ago. Here's a little background info on our um, fuckboy auteur PTA Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm sorry, I get that out of my system. That's the last time I'll say it. I apologize if you're a PTA fan, but I feel like it's it's needed. It's needed. I mean, I guess you got to even out because I'm just gonna you know <laughs> yeah. like you know be very you know glowing about it movie so if, if it even does now go for yeah it. okay well so pta was born in los angeles california in 1970 he was one of nine children jesus christ <sighs> that's harsh yeah <laughs> no wonder you had to, to stand out <laughs> <laughs> he had a pretty rocky relationship with his mother oh did he did he yeah that can't tell. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we kind of <laughs> joked about how they both had daddy issues last week, but, I mean, maybe PTAs, it starts as mother issues, mommy issues, and then it develops into daddy issues when his dad passed away, and then I think he's it's, just got daddy issues now. I think so. Yeah, but anyway. I think he'd very, yeah, 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 and you see that in this one. 
very evident in Booking. Yeah. But he was close to his father, who was an actor, and he encouraged him to become a writer or a director. And similar to his counterpart, we're also charting during this arc, Wes Anderson, PTA, would make films from an early age, first using his father's Betamax video camera before moving to 8mm film, but then he would realize that video is way easier, so he went back to doing videotape. Uh, after, and it's funny, he wrote that into his film, the videotape, you know, it's the future of, of porn. Uh, after years of writing and messing about, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson would make his first real film production at the age of 17. And he was a senior in high school at Montclair Prep, funding it with money he earned cleaning cages at a pet store. This film <laughs> was the 1988 30-minute mockumentary shot on video called The Dirk Diggler Story about the legend of the pornographic film star Dirk Diggler inspired by actual porn star John Holmes, Deep Throat. And this will serve yeah. as a major inspiration for the film we'll be talking a- about today. What film is that film? Boogie Nights. Is that song even in this movie? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. There's 800 songs. In I this don't film, think it is. But every time I'm one. watching it, yeah, every time I'm watching it, I'm waiting for Boogie Nights to drop, <laughs> and it doesn't. I'm like, they must have just named it. Yeah, there were like literally a hundred yeah. different songs. One scene is like three or four different yeah. songs in the background. Everyone's given one special thing, right? Everyone's blessed with one special thing. I want you to know I plan on being a star. Big, bright, shining star. Eddie Adams from Torrance. Yep. Jack Horner, filmmaker. I make you exotic pictures. In 1977, a kid from nowhere. Maybe think about your name. My name, yeah. Something a little pizzazz. Dirk Diggler. Good name. I like your name a lot. Had a dream of getting somewhere. Jack Horner has found something special in newcomer Dirk Diggler. So let me just pop in this A-track and you just give a listen to what you think, okay? It was a time when disco was king. These are the ones. These are great. Yeah, those are really cool. Are they lizard? No, they're Italian. Do you like my shoes? They're pretty cool. Sex was safe. Woo-hoo! Pleasure was a business. Cut. Terrific. Nice work. And business was booming. And the award for best newcomer goes to Mr. Dirk Diggler. Wow. Goodbye, 1979. Hello, 1980. Are you ready? But in 1980... Come on, you puppies! The party was over. You are fired! What? You're fired! It's jealousy, it's deceitfulness, it's vindictiveness, but, I mean, God, what can you expect when you're on top? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Love this part. New Line Cinema presents... A portrait of two decades in the life of a business, the days of a dreamer, and the nights in between. Boogie Nights. Set in 1977, back when sex was safe. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, pleasure was a business okay, Paul. and business was a booming idealistic porn director, Jack Horner, played by Burt Reynolds, aspires to elevate his craft 
to an art form. Horner discovers Eddie Adams, Mark Wahlberg. Go, go ahead. Give us one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Hey, how do you mother for me? All right. There you go. Mark Wahlberg. A hot right. young talent working as a busboy in a nightclub <laughs> and welcomes him into his extended family of movie makers, misfits, and hanger-ons that are always around. This includes the motherly veteran actress Amber Waves, played by Julianne Moore. What the a great roller skating young blonde roller girl, Heather <laughs> Graham, and the closeted sound man Scotty, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And basically, Del Doback, if he got into the porn industry, Reed Rothschild, John C. Riley. Uh, Adam's rise from nobody to a celebrity adult entertainer is meteoric. And soon the whole world seems to know his porn alter ego, Dirk Diggler. Now, when the disco and the drugs are in vogue, fashion is in flux and the party never seems to stop. Dirk Diggler's dreams of turning sex into stardom are about to collide with the call. Hard reality. It's the 1997 period drama written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Bill, Boogie Nights, hot takes out the gate. Where are you? Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Ah, no, now you're throwing me off because I don't know where you're coming in. I thought this one would be an easy, like, I think Boogie Nights is what, like, probably his most accessible commercial movie. If you ask someone on the street, do you like PTA? They might be like, I don't know what he made. Boogie Nights. Everybody's seen Boogie Nights. It's like Goodfellas, you know, and it's of that ilk, that kind of movie. Um, so it's his, I think it's most popular. I think it's great. I love Boogie Nights. I think it's great. I think it's, I still think it's fun. I'm disagreeing with you. I think it's a fun movie. It's so like underpinned with a deep, deep sadness and a deep darkness. But I think that is what elevates it beyond just a fun popcorn movie, like a fun trashy movie that's like, oh, it's kind of dirty. You know, it's set in the porn world, but it's like, it's talking about porn, but talking about movie, talking about art, and then with the characters and needs. It's it's really about family, and that and it's so easy to latch onto this this functional family that like find themselves in a weird way, and then you know are torn apart, but then brought back together again. And there's a very easy like yeah, like you said, meteoric rise, and then catastrophic fall. Yeah. That just you can't look away. Like the Dirk Diggler story is such a classic story in Hollywood in any, you know, entertainment business. But even that, yeah, that's all background. But even just the characters, each character, even the small characters are given weight and art. Like Don Cheadle is in this movie. Yeah. And he has a wonderful little story that's happening underneath. And that goes for everyone. And everyone is likable and memorable. And it's, I know. It's, yeah, it's boogie night. I can't, <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's one of those very influential. One of the this and like Magnolia to pair. I feel like really yeah. that's a tone for like early two thousand cinema. Big time um, ensemble films. That even he would quickly break. Yeah, yeah, he would quickly break away from. I mean, Gone in sixty seconds. <laughs> you know, that's like <laughs> boogie night, but very boosting cars. But what did you think of Boogie Night? I mean, I rewatched Boogie Night, and my opinion doesn't change. Yeah. It, I still like it. Years later, I still like it. It was my way in for PTA. Yeah, I hadn't seen Boogie Night since I was like a teenager, and I was really excited to rewatch it because I remember finding it pretty fun when I was younger. But I just nowadays, oh man, I was like, I was so excited, and then 
I watched it and I didn't hate it, but I also didn't like love it. And I was sort of like disappointed by certain elements of it. And then also it's just too fucking long. Oh my God. It's so long that. Oh, come on. It's long, but it's not boring. It feels long. It can be It's long. never boring. But the thing is, it's one of those films. It's one of those <laughs> it's things. Long. It's never boring. And all this movie done. Right, sorry, one second. I've got yeah. like a, I've got the perfect. I, I was looking up some um, stuff when I was prepping this and someone laid it out perfectly. Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote, everything about Boogie Nights is interestingly unexpected. Although the film's extravagant two and a half hour length amounts to a slight tactical mistake. It has no trouble holding interest, but the length promises larger ideas than this film finally delivers. And I feel like that sort of hit, hit it on the head for me. I feel like, there is Fair a great enough. story. You're waiting for yeah. a big thing. I'm waiting for, yeah. I don't know, like, there, like, like you said, there's, there's a lot of characters and stuff. There's this big ensemble piece going on and there's a lot of interesting characters and there's like fun stuff going with them. But you almost feel like some of them just don't really pay off. Like the Don Cheadle side is pretty fun and it's very underneath and it kind of does pay off in that. I liked the progression of it. I felt like, you know, certain characters like Amber yeah. or Scotty, like just, don't really pay off like you want them to. Like they I don't, don't go anywhere. I guess Amber yeah. sort of does. Like she doesn't get her. Amber does. She doesn't get her. William H Macy does. Kid, and then it just like she. But she, she cleans up. She ends up with the kids with Dirk, and she, she finds her kids. But yeah. I, I, I get that. It's like exactly. creating your family out of because you know not all families are perfect. But then you create That's your what they own all family. Want. You know, you you just create what you want to create. Exactly. But I get it. It's just like exactly. there's something about it. It just felt like. Like I said, it's not boring. It's just like it just uh, it's long and you feel like you're going to get something a little bit more out of it. But you feel like you probably could have accomplished that in maybe two hours or hour 45. <laughs> Fair enough. But I love I love a movie. I mean, I treat I guess I treat it differently because like it's like a, it's got that sort of hangout movie feel to it. Again, it's very like Altman, where it's like it's very natural, naturalistic, and it. So you you just you just like that you're like in it. It's like a world you get to visit for a few hours, and then you leave, and you don't get to see where everyone goes, but you catch enough of it. Yeah. So I guess I treat it like that, but I would agree with you in that, like, because the movie kind of here the whole time, and I'm lifting my hand up for dramatic effect. It it you know it never stop yeah. it keeps going and that's a hard thing to maintain yeah for two and a half yeah, hours yeah. for a movie that essentially ends with a dick shot <laughs> yeah. that's kind of why i love it just saying it that sort of out redeems loud, itself like with a dick shot the guy movie. tricked you into <laughs> the guy tricked you into coming to see a two and a half hour movie to end with a dick yeah. shot which is great because you never see it the whole movie you never see it they talk about it so you do get the big reveal yeah. You get everything you're promised in that movie, <laughs> but it, it's just a dick in the face at the end of the day. That's just if you wanted it, though. <laughs> oh, you were curious, though, right? It's like... Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those, like... It's one of those films It's it's about such a particular subject as well that it's, like... It's lucky in certain respects. Like you said, it's not, like, just, like, this trashy film because he, he luckily, like, plays it across, like, a... a I don't know. It's a time, a tell as old as time, the, the rise and fall story, you know, like, you know, it's like, that's, it's about the talking coming in, yeah, you know, it's the same so sort of many times, Yeah. So 
you know, it's it's easily accessible for everyone. I get that, but it's just, I don't know. I just didn't like it as much as I did when I was like younger. And I guess maybe I would have liked, you know, most young guys, fifteen years old, probably like see this first time and just. Would love I that think shit. that's also the thing where we're charting these like progression of these films. And I'm like now I'm hold, holding out because I haven't seen Magnolia since around that time as well. That Magnolia like will be the one where I'm like, oh yeah, that's. That's, I like that one. Like, and I'm yeah, hoping because he's growing, you know, you can see Paul Thomas Anderson's growing each film. And I feel like his films now are like, like have a lot more to say. And back then they just, maybe they just didn't more have weight. as much. It's like, again, a flip style versus substance yeah, thing. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's a flip. There's a well, lot of rest, style early on. Rich in one. And then <laughs> PTO than a rich one. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Like, cause this film is, there's a lot of style going on. Uh, there's a lot of music going on. A lot of music choices. Probably, yeah. Like, oh my god. Too much. But the soundtrack. It kind of doesn't stop. Too much. It doesn't stop. But the needle. Most of that one needle drop. I fucking adore every time. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. Actually, two. Jesse Girl, obviously, yeah. and the other one is that the song when Philip Baker Hall comes in. I I do love the the drug deal scene. And I've got a little bit of information about that. I th- you know that scene's hilarious. I, there's elements too. I just I feel like I. Would rather have a little bit more chopped down story. Like I feel like you could, you could get Dirk Diggler's story across without all the extra weight. That's kind of my vibe here. Like it's not a bad movie at all. It's not a bad story. It's very yeah. entertaining. Not, I mean, most of the people are fucking great at it as well, and that's what works. Like you know, Julianne Moore is amazing in this film. Like, and I want it more from her. That's the thing. Amazing. I wanted more. Acting her off. But yeah. then you got. You'll get more of it in Magnolia. Obviously, you got a lot of <laughs> Marky Mark, and I feel like, you know, <laughs> there's some scenes. Is this the best? Is this, there's some scenes. <laughs> he's fucking the, bad. In. Yeah. <laughs> fucking bad. <laughs> but it but it works. He's a fucking teenager. The, you know, he kind of. It works when he's a bit stilted and a bit wooden oh. and a bit flat. Yeah. I love that scene though. So I don't think he's bad. I think he's he's so bad in that scene. No, so dude, funny. I think he's frightfully realistic in that movie. It's an ugly moment, yeah. and he's yelling and not making sense and crying. It doesn't look good, and I think that's why it's good. Well, it's because it's PTA just fucking getting angry about his mother, like in that scene. You know, it's just like. <laughs> And yeah, and <laughs> and for those of us with like parental issues, it's yeah. fucking palpable. I think it's great, and it's oh my god, what fucking great! Thing. Sorry, I'm going to be really obnoxious in this. What great scene! It blows up, and he fucking closes one door, and it cuts to Burt Reynolds opening the other. Like it's just so perfect. <laughs> it's like it's just it's like a line. You're just following this perfect line, this perfect arc. I think Marky Mark. I think that the. I think Marky Mark only had a fucking acting career because of Boogie Nights. Yeah. And it's annoying that he like shunned it now because he's all Christian and shit. Basketball Diaries, come on. But Okay, he's amazing in Basketball Diaries. But he is a side character in Basketball Diaries. I don't think he would have got much after that. He can carry, Boogie Nights showed that he could carry. Yeah, he's better in, you know, in his early career, but I just don't think he was ever that great of an actor to begin with. You know, it was like one of those, <laughs> like, because he's not good You're in almost anything. more of a Donny guy. He's better. Also, I feel like he's better. More of a Donnie Wilbur guy. Like he's funny in this film in the sense of that he's like, he's this like you know this stupid young guy, and he's it's all Italian leather. Yeah, he's yeah. really young. He's clueless. <laughs> it's very funny. It comes off very funny, but like I think he works better as the dickhead asshole. 
like he does in the basketball diaries, but early in his career before he like tried too hard. Now he just comes up. I don't know, man. Like no, it's an action star. Now he like thinks he's the yeah, shit. And he's, he's so bad. I don't know, but whatever. I'm sorry to any Marky Mark fans out there. Are there any, does anyone actually really like Mark Wahlberg? These I don't days? think so. Like, no, I like him for the joke. <laughs> Ted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ted, right? I didn't see it. Oh, wait. Cause I just found the song. The song is Driver's Seat by Sniffing, Te- Sniffing the Tears. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't have that written down because that's a great song. Just everyone listen to it now. 20 million songs in this film, Phil. <laughs> like, and it, that, that yeah. is. And it's not on the soundtrack. It's like you have to go on the yeah. IMDb for it. That, that is like the, the bad part of. I I like the film. It's, it's annoying because I like the songs in the film. <laughs> There's a lot of really good songs. Like, most of the songs are awesome. The needle drops yeah. are great. But it's like. I didn't realize how much there was in this film. It's nonstop. Every scene. It, it carries it's just like, you. I want to chill yeah. out for a second. My wife can't hear like, and she needs subtitles <laughs> on and the subtitles have the fucking song lyrics going while people are talking oh and my it's God. fucking confusing looking. And she didn't say anything about this. I was just looking at it and I was just like, good God. Like I would hate, to be watching this this is a fucking nightmare sound mixing yeah it's crazy yeah like sorry so yeah anyway sorry (laughs) no that's completely fair but uh it's too much too much paul relax sensory overload i can't wait till he meets johnny greenwood (sighs) it is sensory overload that is what this film is because you're already like there's a lot of style there's a lot of fucking shit going on and then there's fucking you know, tits and cocks and like sex and drugs. And it's like so much very, it's very in your face. But dude, if that I not, feel like a Christian, if not uh, the point, a Christian if, man who's coming down on like, this is a yeah. sin. This film ooh, is ooh. a sin. No, I'm not yeah. that bad. I just, it's, it's intense. But, this film. <laughs> but you know, like, but like this movie, you know, like PTA movie, he said it once, but he compared his movie to, uh, meals or someone else did I hope he didn't because that would be annoying I don't want to hear him I don't, director shouldn't do that I don't think he did <laughs> but pe- people yeah they shouldn't but someone was saying no and they described a bunch of his movies like oh this is like this drink and this meal and they didn't say anything about Boogie Night yeah. but I would describe Boogie Night and like an organ it's fucking sensory overload yeah. and in that respect I think it's very appropriate Okay. In terms of that, the movie Fair we're enough. talking about. It's like a two and a half hour money shot. <laughs> <laughs> and you could quote me on that. Uh, all right. I, I need to bring it down yeah. because Boogie Nights is not my favorite. Yeah. I feel like I'm coming really in high. So, na- yeah. so when I really like when I really like a movie, it's not gonna mean anything. It's just really defensive as well. It's like almost like Oh, whoa, no, no. I think I have to be. <laughs> no, because this happened. Yeah. I'll stop. Oh, so Boogie, yeah, I think it's yeah, fun. Like, no, I, no, no. This is why I wanted to do anyway. It's fine. I knew I was. I knew I was going to come. I was going to come out this way because, like I said earlier, it's just like I. I just net these films <laughs> for some reason never gel with me, and I don't know why. Not all of them. Like there will be blood. The first mm. time I saw it, I was like, "This film's fucking awesome. I loved it." But is that like? Besides me being 15 and probably barely paying attention to it because I'm dicking around my friends like with our skateboards and like had this on in the background and just kind of laughing like, you know, am I like 
really paying attention to it? Do I really like, so it's almost like seeing it again at 31 is like seeing it for the first time because I, you know, I don't remember like Fair over enough. 15 yeah. years ago. And like, I'm just mm. thinking about these films thinking like, oh yeah, like, uh, like, dude, did I ever really like any of these films? So I'm like, tr- this is, it's an interesting <laughs> challenge for me. I'm trying to get into it. I haven't seen them all. Like I yeah. haven't seen like embarrassingly the master. I haven't seen, phantom thread yet so this is an opportunity i'm so jealous so jealous you get to watch the master i really want to see that one and that, that one sounds the most interesting to me storyline wise and i know it's there's a big shift yeah from like there will be blood anyway um i guess a little bit with uh punch drug like because that gets a little bit smaller but there'll be blood if the yeah if the marker i yeah. think where he's like nope <laughs> Like I am in a different league. I'm making period dramas now. <laughs> yeah. Forever and yeah. ever until the end of time. Fucking Wes Anderson does the same thing now though. Like that's the thing. These guys are very similar in a weird way. Like the more I look into their films, but, but, the more but Wes Anderson creates a period. Yeah. They are yeah, no, you're right. They've both gotten into like the thing of like really digging into the past yeah. and like getting off on that. But like with Anderson, it's such a imagined, highly yeah, caricatured version <laughs> of these periods and places yeah. that never existed. Yeah. Never existed where PTA is a very bare bones, very realistic, very like yeah. maybe that's what I don't like. I don't like there, I don't like real life. But they can but they can take place anywhere. <laughs> I, I want a cartoon, goddammit. Just wanna like turn something on and go, that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I mean it's like Paul Thomas Anderson's films are just like I said at the beginning, it's slow burns. Like some of his films, I feel like I've had to watch like numerous times to really enjoy. Um, yeah, particularly yeah. Inherent Vice, because the first couple of times I watched it, I was just like, eh, it's all right. Oh man. But then it like, it, like I was sort of like, how I am about this where I'm like, eh, it's all right. And then I had to sit through it like five or six times at the cinema because we were showing it. And I was just like, Okay, this is growing on me. The soundtrack's really cool. It's funny. This is a good story. movie. So, yeah. Yeah, it just, they're slow birds. They, they grow. Yeah. He's not a shower. He's a grower. There we go for dick references. Yeah. We got a lot of dick <laughs> references. This movie's a fucking shower. <laughs> yeah, I got another one coming. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Eventually. We'll get there in just a minute. When making Heart Eight, we briefly touched on a couple of weeks ago that Paul Thomas Anderson had a really tough time at Reicher Entertainment, who produced the film. The film was originally called Sydney, and Paul Thomas Anderson had to fight with them to get the cut that he wanted released. It was a really long battle, and the battle eventually settled at the cost of the film's name. He was able to release his cut eventually, but only after he agreed to change the film's name from Sydney to Heart Eight. And this time around, Paul Thomas, An- Paul Thomas Anderson laid down a hard law when he was going to make his second film. He was like, the last thing he wanted to do was negotiate. And he initially wanted the film to be over three hours long. Good God. And rate it NC-17. Fucking hell. It's the bravado of this guy. (laughs) It's just so, like, ridiculous. Yeah. But also kind of inspirational. (laughs) Uh, Producers, particularly Michael DeLuca at New Line, said that the film had to be either under three hours or rated R and Anderson fought with them saying that got pick one man. The film wouldn't have mainstream appeal no matter what. So 
they wouldn't change their minds. <laughs> All right. So Anderson did what he did best. He negotiated. <laughs> and, uh, and uh he, he anyway. went with the R rating and despite this the film was actually 20 minutes shorter than he promised anyway so it was two hours and like fucking 40 minutes good god um still too long <laughs> i love a good movie i love a good long movie i, just, you I know, do too i'm not even like one of those people that really gets angry about long films sometimes but man it's funny because his first film heart eight I, don't, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it but it's really short and it feels really short. It flows really fast. Like it's it feels too it's short. It's like it's over. It You're like, holy like shit, it's already at this happening. point. Like, holy shit. Like it's done? It's done. Yeah. We're at the final bit. Yeah. All right. I thought more was gonna happen, but it's cool. <laughs> All right. So Mark Wahlberg as Eddie Adams, aka Dirk Diggler. Paul Thomas Anderson originally wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play the role of Eddie Adams after seeing him and guess what? The basketball diaries. <laughs> Uh, DiCaprio, he did enjoy the script, but he turned down the role to play in what film at this time? Big star making vehicle. The Titanic? Titanic. Yeah, Yeah, of course. I mean, that was a smarter move. Yeah. But Boogie Nights is the better movie. (laughs) I'll give you that because those two fucking long ass movies, I'd rather watch Boogie Nights. It's at least a little bit funnier. Um, Yeah. Sorry, Leonardo DiCaprio, he ended up recommending his Basketball Diaries co-star, Marky Mark. Uh, although, I guess, yeah. PTA was pretty much into him. So I couldn't really find a definitive of like how that really came out. But one way I saw it was that Leo actually did recommend, which is kind of cool. Joaquin Phoenix was also offered the role, but he turned it down to his concerns of playing a porn star. So we will get Joaquin later. Oh, man. Much later. Who would have fucking killed that? <laughs> That's that's my jam, man. That's like dream movie. PTA and Joaquin Phoenix. I wish they would just make movies forever. Yeah, just laying my cards on the table. <laughs> it's a it's a good partnership. I mean, at least in um, Inherent Vice. I'm you know that's what I mean. I'm looking forward to the master. And uh, yeah, I'll stay no more. It's uh, Mark Wahlberg's first big film role here. He's the younger brother, obviously, of Donnie Wahlberg from the New Kids on the Block fame, and now an actor. <laughs> Uh, but Mark was coming off a wait. Is he not the Wahlbergers one? Yeah, is that another Wahlberg. I think, and then there's a third brother, right? Is there a third brother? There's too many. That's why I'm asking. I don't know. I only know Donnie and Mark, and I thought Donnie went into the. I mean, they all own the Wahlberg yeah. thing, but they're like one of the. I mean, they're all weird looking versions of Mark. You know, <laughs> how did that family become famous? Donnie's the OG. Yeah, Donnie D.O.G. The kids on the block. I'm was, I'm a Marky Mark guy. It was a uh, um yeah, but Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah, well, the kids on the block came first, and Mark Wahlberg was actually in the group, but then he like quit when he was like 13 or something, and then New Kids on the Block formed like, so with all those fucking <laughs> people, and then once they were popular, Mark Wahlberg came out with Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. And he had his hit Good Vibrations, which is a very fun song. Come on, come on. Uh, but yeah, he he was coming off to a diminishing rap career as Marky Mark. And uh, he was also a Calvin Klein model. And he was transitioning That's into generous. acting. He had, he had done uh, Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito, which is very fun. I fucking love that film. So good. Uh, you should watch it. It's great. Uh, and then he did Basketball Diaries, obviously, and he did Fear. 
Is he doing the? Is he doing the Marky Mark? Is he doing the fucking fear thing? Dude, he's doing the fucking Marky Mark thing. They did that Malcolm in the Middle as well. With Dewey Dudley. Yeah. Uh, Marky Mark didn't initially want to do Boogie Nights because of none other than the film Showgirls. He said Showgirls had just come out. That movie was a disaster. And, you know, coming from the underwear background, the music stuff, I was like, eh, I don't want to do this. But there was just so much hype around the script. So finally, I started reading it. I got 35 pages into it. I put it down. I said, I've got to meet the director. I said, this guy either finally wants me to take the Calvin Kleins off or he wants to make a really serious movie. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, And it was both? It was both, I guess. Yeah, and he did take the Calvin Kleins off. It was all the way at the end of the fucking movie. Uh, it it's the thing. And it's you said this last week on the episode of uh, like talking about Bottle Rocky. You said this film reminds me of Dumb and Dumber, and then you start going, <laughs> you start going off about like you know the Dumb and Dumber stuff, and you do the fucking quote. Yeah, yeah. They're the same movie. You do the yeah. quote just when I thought. What, what was that? Just when I thought I couldn't. Uh, you, you couldn't, couldn't get, get any dumber. Any dumber. You go. You do something like this. Do something like this to totally redeem yourself. And that's what happened at the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> that's the when moment. That big fake prosthetic like, yes. penis comes out. And it's just like, God damn. Yes. That's funny. He just ends the film with the dick. It's that's stupid. Funny. Why did he do that? It's Love great. It. It's the biggest fucking fake penis ever. Like real fuckboy yeah, energy about, here, man. It's, it's up there with the demon dick. This is the end, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's second only second to only the demon dick. Yeah. yeah. So, Phil, in terms of size, I think that's about right. I think you know, Marky Mark got to keep <laughs> his prosthetic penis at the end of the film, and I think it's time. Um, Did he that really we show off our prosthetic penises? It is time for the one and only snack time. Hope it's alright. We know it's not. The new snacker. Phil, we have the same thing. Yes, yes, yes. I'm actually really excited. We have the same thing. <laughs> oh my God, it happened. Yay. Oh man. Snack time was officially over. We both have. We're back. We're back. Pepperami. We did not plan this. We both just have a f- similar sense of humor, I no. believe. Yeah. We're talking dong. We're talking sausages. And I was like, it got to be a pepperami. We got to have a pepperami. It got to be. <laughs> All right, so let's let's that go at the same time. Well. People listening, oh, I've never they had have one to of these now buy two different pepperonis. Pepperonis uh, look disgusting. I've never had this before. It smells really bad, and it's covered in plastic, so it's like a condom. You never had one? It's like a condom. Yeah, literally. There's a condom on it. It's literally like a condom, and you have to pull it. You just pull it down, and the tip comes out right there. And you have to be careful about not eating the plastic. <laughs> Because you don't want to hold it with your fingers, otherwise they get sticky. 
It also feels like an uncircumcised <laughs> penis that you're like pulling the foreskin down on. Yeah, if it's not gonna if you haven't had one yet, it's not gonna taste what like what you think. Yeah, I don't think. Okay, all right. Wait, let's get a picture. Wait, hold it up to the camera. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, same time? All right, same time. One, two, three, snap into a Slim Jim. Kind of like a Slim Jim. Yeah. Not as good. It's not as good. It's similar taste and consistency, but... Chewy, kind of spicy. Not spicy enough. Like, if it had more of a kick, it'd be really good. They have the spicy version. It's almost kind like of like the hot pepperoni or something. Kind of bland. <laughs> it's not bland by any means, but yeah. How do people eat these all the time? Protein kick. I just oh think they're God. too long. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna eat this whole thing. Oh, very greasy. Jesus Christ. Pick. There's a lot going against it, but I can't help it. I like pepperoni. It's not gross. Look at it's that. It's not great either. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> oh, used condoms. It's dangling off. Oh. Yeah, it's used. It looks used. Or at least there are condoms, you know. If you're going to get in the porn industry or have a lot of sex, like the characters in this film, use condoms. Be safe. Yeah. Uh, where are we given... And pepperoni knows What are we given pepperoni? <laughs> <laughs> How many big fake prosthetic penises from Marky Mark's trousers are we giving it? Ooh. I don't know. I like pepperoni. They're nostalgic, you know. But they're kind of bland. They're kind of gross. Like, you know, a three and a half. Maybe even a four. Wow. I don't know. What do you think? I'm assuming you'll go lower. I was going to give it a three. Three three and a half? I was going to give it a three. I think it's fair. Just a... Face, it's you know, it's not gross, it's just not great either. My cat's getting really hyped up for it. She's smelling this, it must smell <laughs> like a stick. She's on my lap now. She loves it. Eat a bit, yeah. I can see it. it, but dude, you know, this is gross and everything. She's <laughs> I want another one, you know. She's licking it. Is she licking it? Yeah. Does she like it? She loves it. Is she gonna eat it? I'm trying to get her to take it out of my hand. Eat it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> if your cat likes it, that's probably not a good sign, right? Please do not choke on the pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Keep an eye on her. He like keeps picking it up and then spitting it out. <laughs> no. Not sure about it. She just wants to eat like lick off like the spices on it and stuff. She doesn't want to actually eat it. It's gross. She's trying to eat I'll it. I'll eat it like, if she yeah. wouldn't have it. <laughs> I don't know if she can, it's too thick. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> Come on, man. That's what she said. <laughs> Did you get it? No. They just keep coming. I feel like I'm going to need to give her like a stick now. I feel really bad. She's got like these yeah, cat treats. And she's like so hyped and this isn't working. <laughs> no, go for it. enjoying a stick yeah she devoured that stick (laughs) 
It's so <laughs> he funny. got all hyped, man. So funny. All right, the cat's sorted. Uh, snack time's done. Jesus oh. Christ. Moving on. Very, you know. That's a good very one. Very entertaining. That's a classic snack time. Snack time. Very eventful. <laughs> <laughs> My cat's still looking at me, licking her lips. We're back, baby. It's the new. <laughs> fucking hell. Burt Reynolds, Jack Horner. Burt Reynolds in a fucking picture. The fucking role of a lifetime for Burt Reynolds. Jesus. The role of Jack Horner in the Dark Diggler story was actually played by Robert Ridgely, who was one of Paul Thomas Anderson's father's friend. And he actually ended up going on to play the Colonel, who was the producer, the pedophile producer in Boogie Nights. So, oh, yeah. from uh, Yeah, he's in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Dark Diggler story? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't so remember who. Very sketchy. You can find it online. I, I watched bits of it. I just, it was, I, I just didn't care. So I didn't feel like watching the whole thing. It's <laughs> like, it's 30 minutes long and it's kind of like a lot of like sketchy editing and stuff inspired by like the John, um, John Holmes documentary exactly, that was called yeah. Exhausted. So yeah, the Dirk Diggler story. Uh, it had originally this, this man, Robert Rid- Wrigley, it was a friend of PTA's father. So that's how he was in the film. It's kind of surprising that he was in it because it's like, damn, how'd you get him in your fucking shitty little film you made in high school? And then like dad knows him. Then he's in this. <laughs> it's like, so yeah. that's cool. Huh. But he plays a very unfortunate yeah. character. Cool. He was Jack Horner in the original. There's a lot of like similar scenes and stuff that, you know, get adapted into this film and it's, you know, pushed out really further and, Burt Reynolds is Jack Horner instead. And Robert Wrigley plays the pedo. Unfortunate. <laughs> someone, the dirty chop, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> Him and Patrick Swayze now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> A long line of people brave enough. <laughs> Other people before Burt Reynolds joined the cast, Bill Murray. Hey. Hey, Bill Murray. Eh? Oh, fuck, man. Eat my wood. Harvey hey. Keitel, Warren Beatty, Albert Brooks, Sidney Pollock. Oh, they all declined. Shit. Or were passed up for the fuck. role of Jack Horner before it went to Burt Reynolds. And I mean, yeah, this film is the film that was seen to have revived Burt Reynolds' career. It earned him 12 award nominations, including his first ever Oscar nomination, which is hard to believe because he had a pretty crazy career before. Yeah, in the 70s and shit, yeah. Yeah, never did anything that was up to that stature. He did like Deliverance and then Loki and the Bandit, you know, Mm -hmm. and then like Cannonball Run. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like you could, it's like you're serious in something than jokey in others and it would yeah. like yeah no this it's his best role he's great by miles he's really good he's amazing and it he's really good considering he did not have a good time for it yeah he did not uh, he did not. like butt heads with pta a lot but that makes sense man he's yeah. dealing with some fucking punk director telling him what to do and he's like i've been in fucking the industry for like 40 years i don't need to fucking kid telling me how to act and shit and like it's really pushing me through my tour. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and i think he had the words for it then but yeah. i think that was the sentiment. that's what he would have said i think he wanted him back he wanted him back he wanted him back for magnolia like, i'm never yeah. working with pta yeah, yeah and he's like i'm never working with pta again and i think he'd walked back those comments now obviously yeah it's a trip it's weird it's like you know 
I would forget. Is it Romeo and Juliet where they didn't get along? Leo and Claire Danes? And you can't believe it because in yeah. the movie they they work so well together, you know? Like the chemistry is great. And it's the same thing here, but Reynolds put it in a great performance. Yeah. Maybe that helped that he just semi pissed off throughout the whole thing. I mean, it works for his character because the character is this sort of guy who like, you know, obviously he's he's successful at what he does, but he's obviously wanting to do more, you know? It's a perfect sort of idea for mm. like Burt Reynolds as an actor. It's like a guy who or is a person, a guy who's yeah. like been very successful. Like I love Smoking the Bandit. It's a very fun film. Yeah. But like, you know, in Deliverance. Yeah, and no, it's like he's done a lot of great shit, but he's, yeah. you know, this is the film that netted him his first ever Oscar nomination. He won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor, you know, <laughs> and 12 other yeah. award nominations. That's insane. But like, it's the yeah. most nominated he's ever been for a role. But like, yeah, he hated Paul Thomas Anderson. He's hated his time on the film. He told GQ magazine, I think mostly because he was young and full of himself. Every shot we did, it was like the first time that that shot had ever been done. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's, That's hilarious. so funny. That's hilarious. I bet, I bet it was so true as well. I bet um, it was. He's like, oh, this could be amazing. <laughs> Chill out, champ. <laughs> Burt Reynolds just like chill yeah. out, champ. <laughs> Sit down. You're gonna not my yourself. first rodeo. <laughs> uh, yeah. He he also told the Guardian that he turned down acting in Paul Thomas Anderson's follow up Magnolia because I'd done my picture with Paul Thomas Anderson. That was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. And apparently, the That's two funny. even got into a fist fight at one point uh. with. First AD John Wildermuth stating, Bert got so frustrated that he pulled Paul outside into the backyard and started yelling at him like a father, you know, you, you fucking little punk kid. Don't tell me what to do. And then actor Tom Link at it. All of a sudden we saw fists flying. We saw some fists flying from Bert Reynolds. I hope, I don't know if I'll get trouble for saying this, but it was like he was trying to punch our director in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I believe it turned to a fist fight because you hear that a lot on set and it turned yeah. out to be bullshit. But Burt Reynolds would kick the absolute shit out of PTA in a fight. <laughs> it yeah. wouldn't even be close. <laughs> it's like old man strength, you know, just like whoa, yeah. crushing like a fucking can. I like I like a good beef though. So this is it was fun to like I love good see beef. that story and add that major in. beef. Uh, Julianne Moore yeah. is Maggie, aka Amber Waves. Uh, Amber Waves, good. so shit. good in this film. I wanted, like, like I said earlier, I wanted more. Um, she's great. She, her custodial yeah. problems were inspired by porn star Veronica Hart, who plays the judge during the film. In the scene where oh, she nice. and her cu- husband a lot are ogre of cameos from porn. Stars. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of porn stars. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a teenager watching this, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's really bad. Apparently, they had Ron Jeremy as a consultant on the film. And he was, like, taking people to sets and stuff and sort of showing people, like, you know, everything that was going on and, like, how porn sets operate and stuff just to kind of like so they can get the vibe and know what it's like and then when they Mm. go out to do the film they can sort of be in the right mindset of this is what goes on 
Um, so yeah, that kind of helped out. And then obviously there were a lot of other porn stars just sort of appearing. Like for instance, we have William H. Macy as little bill. He's the cinematographer who, or is he not the cinematographer or maybe the first AD? I don't know. But anyway, he's AD. AD. You could the old guy in the cinematographer. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, (laughs) his wife is played by a porn star, real life porn star, Nina Hartley. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This is so dark. It's so fucking sad. It's uh, so grim. It's literally like she's doing it in public and everybody's watching. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, but I need I need those lights. You know, I need that, that camera. I need that. Like, Dude, like, my wife you- is fucking this guy over there and there's all these people watching. <laughs> yeah. Please fuck off. <laughs> oh, yeah. William H. Macy, 1996-97, like playing the fucking oh piece God. of shit he- guy who just gets browbeaten like by everybody in his life. <laughs> It's so sad. I yeah. mean, again, he kind of does the same thing in Magnolia, completely different version. Yeah. But it, again, it's, like I said, the underpinning of sadness because yeah. they, no, nobody would have take what he was going through seriously at that time. And like, you can feel it and you're waiting for it to blow up and it blows up at the perfect, and it marks a turning point in the movie. It's New Year's, it's ushering in the 80s, where everything changes. It's the same party where... Philip Baker Hotel, Burt Reynolds were switching to video and we're not, you know, films are changing. Like, in your era, it's over. And, yeah, he fucking killed his wife and himself. Yeah. And it just, it it's such a mo. it's such, like, it hit so hard that yeah. moment. It, like, really. But it, it, it means something. There was a story I saw that where Paul Thomas Anderson said in like a test screening, there was some like rowdy teenagers in the film who were like, you know, laughing at a bunch of stuff. And he was like, Oh yeah, this, this is playing. All right. Okay. That's kind of fun. And then he said that during that scene where uh little bill goes in and shoots the guy who's fucking his wife and presumably you don't see it, but it shoots the guy who's fucking his wife and his wife. They started really mm. cheering and they were really excited and stuff. And he was like, Oh fuck. I don't want people like, Oh no. And then when he kills himself, they were like stunned silent. And he was like, yes, that's, that's how it's. Yes. Yeah, it worked. Okay, they got it worked. It worked. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> yeah. If you're laughing, laughing through that bit, you're missing the point. Yeah. There's also a really fun thing that I noticed that you could easily miss is like, <laughs> fucking wall you know like pta's doing his fucking like steady camp shots and stuff through the house at the end it's it's the big happy ending the wrap up the family's back together you're, you're showing everybody like in all those scenes in the house and stuff and he's following yeah. through the house and then you get to the wall where little bill shot himself and there's just a photo or like a painting or whatever of little bill like on that wall it's just like fuck off man <laughs> like that's great that's great yeah well you have to remember him <laughs> I wouldn't want to. We should get that remember. same picture in the cinema. I'd move out of my, of that house. I wouldn't want to remember <laughs> a guy blew his brains out by putting a fucking photo of him like on the spot. Grim. But that house is great. You know why would you give yeah. it up? Got pool and everything. And lots of people have died. Doesn't that chick OD? Yeah, there's a lot of people. <laughs> died. Good God, this. Yeah. yeah. How many people? There's like, I actually did read. There was like a someone had a body count for this film. There's like eight people or something. That's like insane. <laughs> but that's what happened. That era, a lot of people died. Yeah. Point is dark. <laughs> that should be the the title of this. The, the episode. Point is dark. Point is dark. <laughs> 
<laughs> Boogie Night pointed dark. Heather Graham is Roller Girl. She run the role over Drew Barrymore and Tatum O'Neill, apparently, which is pretty surprising. But early Heather Graham role, yeah. she's great in this film, but she doesn't. Classic. I feel like classic she doesn't get enough, and that's the thing. There's a lot going on with a lot of these people, and it's like, I would look. I would, uh, I would agree to a certain extent, but they they all, but they all get something. And that's more than you could, probably could do in a movie like this. It's a huge ensemble piece, right? And she gets her arc. You see her in school. She beats the yeah. shit out of that guy at the end. You know? Yeah. That's fine. You see it. Fine. But I, <laughs> I, I was going to say this earlier and I'd stop myself because I feel like some of our listeners don't give a shit if I do a wrestling reference, but I need to do this for you. Okay. Please uh, do it. Yeah. I equate this to Vince Russo. Writing WWF <laughs> in the Attitude Era, the early days of the Attitude Era, where it was fucking car crash television. He did a great job of making sure that everyone had something to do. But like, yeah, yeah, there's there's stories for everyone, but they don't always pay off <laughs> or like you feel a little bit shortchanged or something because there's so much going on. And like, that's where I kind of I'm hoping in the next film, PTA has got his like. His his ensemble like fucking worked out. Like I'm hoping worked th- out that Magnolia like delivers a little bit more. Where it's just like I feel a little bit more out of it. I like, think it does. So we'll that's see. less. We'll see. In Magnolia, yeah. John C. Riley, Reith Rothschild. I mean, Jesus Christ, amazing. He's like I said. Do you he's see Star Wars? Bag. People tell me I look like Han Solo. <laughs> he's. He, he, to be honest, this is all you need from John C. Riley. Like this is the perfect John C. Riley role. I know he can do because he does serious again in the next film. I know in Magnolia he's a little it's mm. serious again. In this film, cop, he's yeah. this is like, oh my god, he figured it out. We were talking about like Hard Eight. It's only a year later, like you know, and he figures it out. Yeah, exactly it's like, what he can get. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. No, he's so fucking good in this movie. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. So funny. Uh, Don Cheadle is Buck Swope. Uh, Sam Jackson actually turned down the role. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? It's the bass. The <laughs> bass, right? You can hear it. <laughs> Sorry, Sam Jackson was supposed to do it? He was, he was offered the role. And I think because he oh. had done Hard Eight, he was a star. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he had the same experience. I've done my, <laughs> I've done my PTA. I've done my PTA film. I don't need to work. I've done my anymore. time. I've done my time. I don't yeah. need to do that again. I, I do like Don Cheadle's character and I like the, cause he just wants to be, he just wants to be a cowboy, baby. He just wants to be a cowboy. Exactly. Don't want, I relate. Don't let him be a cowboy. I relate. That's all I want to be. I'm the cowboy of podcasting. Dress like uh Stevie wonder. Yeah. Like, as a cowboy. Party, yeah. Like, <laughs> so weird. Yeah, you got the Rick James doing Rick shit. James and I like yeah. the relationship with the, yeah, the the I forget her name, but the what she painted all the pictures. Yeah, God, she she's has in, the worst paintings she, as well. She's in Magnolia. Yeah, yeah, they're awful. They're terrifying. So bad. But she did Magnolia as well. Well, I I was kind of confused with that deal as well because there's so much kind of going on with her, like, uh, like her character. I couldn't tell if she was kind of like either wanting to be with, uh, Dirk, or if she was with Dirk, and then. He, he just like didn't have time for it because he's just like he's got his mommy issues and he's like you know oh I need my mommy like with Amber and there's that whole weird relationship that he just doesn't pay attention to her and then she just like 
okay, well, I'll go over here because it's like Buck is by himself and I'll talk to him and then they just hit it off. I, I think that's what happened. I think that did it. <laughs> it's just sort of like... No, I think that did it. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there, there's something there. I mean, it's hard with like this group of people yeah. that have all hooked up with each other on the job and like just partying. Yeah. So, it's like your hometown. If you're you from know, a small town, this is your hometown. Yeah, that, Maybe that's why I don't like everybody it. Everybody I fucking hate my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I think she really liked yeah. him and he didn't wouldn't give her the time of day. Yeah. What's it meant to be? Another person he didn't give the time of day, and I wish I could have oh, I could have used more of. Like this is a big example more. of someone who like is very an interesting character that do, I feel like it definitely doesn't pay off is uh Philip Seymour Hoffman as Scotty. <sighs> Good God, yeah. I want it more. Oh my God, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Very interesting. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the guy, man. He's just fearless and unrecognizable in every movie. Yeah. And this is yes, that's, one I always go to. It's amazing. It's like, you forget. Yeah, he's so good. He's he gets into it. it. He probably like fucking ad-libbed half the film as well because that's like what he was known for, just yeah. like going off, you know. Paul Thomas Anderson had that role of, of Scotty with Philip Seymour Hoffman in mind. He loved, loved Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. It was like his original muse. Yeah, yeah. He he had this this like idea for this film. He was writing the script like during the hardships of trying to get Hard Eight made and like the whole issues and stuff with Russia Entertainment. He finished the script at that point. He had Philip Seymour Hoffman in mm-hmm. mind. He Philip Seymour Hoffman read the script and he was just like just stunned to learn no. that the subject matter <laughs> was about porn. He just like had no idea that this like oh wow <laughs> okay. Like, but you yeah, know, it takes a while. He was great in Hard Eight. Like, he completely ad libbed his scene in Hard Eight, and I, mm. I assume that they had it. They hit it off. They had a good relationship because obviously he would be in almost every film he did up until the Master. He he still would be if he hadn't passed away. He probably still would yep. be using him. Although he wasn't in uh, There Will Be Blood. He's not. No. Yeah, it's like philip seymour hoffman is to paul thomas anderson what bill murray is to wes anderson yeah and like de niro to scott yeah and then later leo yeah they all have one yeah and it's like later it becomes like joaquin phoenix or uh daniel day lewis for paul thomas anderson yeah they get a couple each yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's Bradley Cooper or some shit i don't know yeah is that <laughs> is that gonna be his new guy or is it gonna be philip seymour hoffman's uh, son his little boy. Kid. Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. but he's a kid. Oh, so well, I don't know. He's got years to like drain that fucking juice, you know? Mold him. Mold him into Oh God. Hit father figure. <laughs> he's just on, damn. He's on set just like, come on, do it like your dad did it. He's like, Have you seen like David <laughs> Flair? Like it's not always going to be like just like dad, you know. Sometimes it doesn't always apple, happen. Yeah, apple doesn't. Should we talk about the apple? Fucking rolls pull, down a hill. Know? It falls off a mountain. And it's like, <laughs> that's funny. All right, I'll get to one of my favorite oh. scenes, and we'll we'll start to try to wrap up here. But uh, Alfred Molina, he mm. plays Rahad Jackson. Here we go. Jesus Christ, this, this scene, scene comes is out insane. fucking nowhere. Insane, yeah, it's but insane. It's one of the best scenes. Yeah. The most tense, <laughs> one of the most tense scenes I've ever seen, <laughs> even though he it's actively really funny and yeah. really weird. But like the whole time, you're just like, it's great. It's the perfect, what's the word, replication mm. or representation of what it's like to be on cocaine. Yeah. It's that scene. 
I've never been on Coke. It's so that. I don't know, but that's good. To well, know. it's that thing. <laughs> it's good to know. It's that incredibly tense thing, yeah. like something's about to happen. Someone won't stop singing, and then someone just setting a fucking, fucking firework. firework <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what a what a fucking yeah. Thing. Oh my god. All right, so the Rahad Jackson character is actually apparently based on a man named Eddie Nash, and he was a drug dealer and nightclub slash restaurant owner in L.A., and he was known for his involvement in the Wonderland murders. So this goes back again to John Holmes. This is all like sort of a weird parody on John Holmes. The Dirk Diggler story was heavy parody. This is more of a, you know, dramatized, weird sort of, basically telling John Holmes character. And so what happened with the Wonderland murders was John Holmes. He was no longer a big star, much like Dirk Diggler. He got addicted to crack cocaine and he was, you know, conspiring with his friends who we had, uh, what's his face, uh, in this film. Oh shit. It's, uh, it's, uh, fucking Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane. Yeah. The Punisher. So yeah, we have, uh, Thomas Jane, the Punisher, (laughs) The Punisher. Yeah. yeah. So we have that whole issue kind of going down where they go to conspire to rob Rahad Jackson. Well, at first, it's not even That's that. Like, they just idea. think they're doing a drug deal. And underneath the surface, the, Thomas Jane knows that there's like a him. safe and they're going to rob him. What happened in real life was John Holmes, he got a, he got addicted to crack cocaine and he conspired with some friends to rob this man named Eddie Nash with some gang members he knew who went by the name the Wonderland Gang. And... He basically didn't participate in the robbery. He stayed out of it, but these guys went to this house and it played off, I guess, pretty similar, or at least so they say, to what happened in the film. He sang it. He sang Justin Girl and was. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's very weird. Uh, Nash actually knew that Eddie Nash knew that uh, John Holmes was part of this whole thing. So he sent some enforcers to the Wonderland Gang's row house. And they killed four of the gang members and a fifth was severely battered. And then Holmes was apparently present at this murder scene. God damn it, man. And he was even charged and tried, but he was later acquitted of all the charges. He apparently left like a bloody handprint or something like on something because he had like touched one of the people or something and left this like palm print or whatever. So they, they literally thought they had him. They thought he was the one who did it. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> that's a crazy fucking story. I kind of feel like that's probably what happened to Dirk Diggler after this. Paul Thomas Anderson's joked about like, cause people have asked him about like Boogie Nights sequels and stuff. And Boogie Nights like, too. I think most of these people would be dead, you know? Yeah. It just won't be around. Yeah, and that's bad. Yeah, except he for them, probably like, Jack Horner. happy ending. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Be old. Because yeah. I bet yeah. after that whole thing, he because, you know, like he goes back, he's all freaked out. And he goes back to Jack. Oh, Jack, can you hold me? And then they, the family's reunited. They probably start doing some porn yeah. again, whatever. They make a movie again. You know, yeah, that's the ending. He's bringing back the character. What's yeah. his name? Brock. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is the character's name? Brock something? Brock. Brock Landers. Brock Landers. Yeah. Bring back Brock Landers. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like adapted to the time. He got the like Miami Vice yeah. coat and the hairdo. And it's like, okay, he's evolving. Yeah. And then like after the scene goes black and the dick, you know, gets back into the pants or later, I don't know, whenever. <laughs> These fucking 
you know, drug dealers come and murder everyone. <laughs> and that's it that's how the, that's how the real story of dark diggler ends because jesus christ or so, he yeah. died of like a horrible ftd which is yeah like, yeah which is which is how john hope died yeah uh the fireworks scene basically recreating this real life robbery but it was also inspired by a mix of uh a show that paul thomas anderson's father did where he used to set off fireworks all the time and then also uh robert downey senior's film Putney Swope because apparently there was like a oh god a scene he changed the best with Putney Swope <laughs> yeah there's apparently a scene he where someone's like setting off firecrackers in the background and like it, it draws the attention of people and then uh he apparently called up Robert Downey Sr. and was like I love that scene I want to like recreate it but bring it to the forefront so it's just like that's all you can fucking see it's just someone yeah. fucking shooting off fireworks inside this uh, it's, it's so cute. And Robert Downey did this movie. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." He did the movie. He's the record producer who's like, "No, we won't give him their tape." <laughs> yeah. And they're like all cooked up, and they're like, "What we have to do? We we need to go here and get the money, but we need tape to get the money. You're gonna get your money and more." That scene is pretty funny. <laughs> the mu- it's amazing. Just, just the song and yeah. everything. It's awful. Oh my yeah. god. I, I feel like my perfect version of this film, as much as I really do like, like, you know, Julianne Moore's character or uh, the idea of Roller Girl or the idea of like Buck, you know, all these characters. I like I feel like I just really want it to be dumbed down to like, you know, 90 minutes of Dark Tickler getting into the porn industry. Uh, I, you know, basically the it's probably the short film. I just need to watch the short film because all this happens in the short film. He like gets in the porn industry, gets pissed off like he does in the film, goes solo, gets hooked on drugs and fucking tries to make a record. And it's so fucking funny. Like the idea of that is hilarious. <laughs> um, it's just all the other added baggage where it's a lot of emotional depth and weight to it and stuff. I just like I'd rather see that in a different film because I think like Paul Thomas Anderson could probably do a really good film about a woman who's like struggling with like drug addiction or whatever. And just like, you know, this family breakup and all that sort of stuff. It's like, you know, he could do that separately. In Magnolia. But it's swamped with all these people again. You know, that's why I'm worried. I'm worried. But the May, that's still there. I'm worried. I'm worried that it's going to be swamped because I got let down. I thought like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. And then. (laughs) Dude, it's swamped. But it's fucking great as well. Yeah. It's just going to be both, man. Yeah. It's just going to be both. And you know what? I'd rather have, I'd rather be wanting more than wanting less. I think I'm ready for the, there you go. I'm, I think There's I'm ready. Two-tenth. I'm ready for the, uh, the, the switch. I'm ready to get to the other side. You we're know? one movie in. I know. <laughs> well, we're technically two movies. And you're in. already waiting. I'm re- no, I'm ready oh, for yeah. I'm ready for the like the switch because they're gonna cross like ships in the night. You know these two directors, oh, yeah. and they're both gonna go these different paths. And like um, for Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm ready for the shift. I think I'm ready for the more think, singular, yeah. simplers. Like just follow one person around. Just I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I'm. He'll get there. I'm hoping Magnolia. I'm wrong. I'm hoping that I remember it because I, I it's been a long time, but. I I do remember a lot of scenes in it that I do remember being great, but I'm just hoping it. Just, just be like, ready for it, man. That movie, because yeah. this one God, just didn't hit. It just didn't emotional. Hit 
Well, Magnolia, I think it's like an yeah. emotional, like emotionally devastating movie. Yeah. You know, like I'm fine with kind that. Of, you have to yeah, be ready I'm for it. I'm kind of fine with that. Boogie Nights, not so much. Boogie Nights had yeah. moments. It has really its moments, moment. but but there's nothing that can like break you. Like Magnolia breaks you. Yeah, it's hard to feel like you know much emotion and weight around certain scenes when you have like characters doing some of the shit that they do in this film like you know and it also ends with a big giant dick so it's like all right i love it whatever five times (laughs) (laughs) it's just so bright it can't even handle it and it explodes (laughs) and the sign said dirk digger uh music all right let's get into it Official score is oh, done by Michael Penn, who had previously worked with Paul Thomas Anderson on Heart Eight with John Bryan. Like I said, I love the music. I, John Bryan is one of my favorite, and I know he works a lot with Paul Thomas Anderson at times. Michael Penn's great as well. So this, there's some good like original music in this, but I, I mean, I don't even. To be honest, I don't remember. It's, it's overshadowed. The shadow, like, yeah. The soundtrack is ridiculous. It's non fucking stop. You got Jungle Fever by the Shaka Chas, Spill the Wine by <laughs> Eric Burden in the War, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, Ugh. You Sexy Thing by Hot Chocolate, and Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield, and then like ten billion other songs. There. <laughs> it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Great soundtrack. It's like Goodfellas in that way, where they're just constantly music in the background, and you're like, "Oh shit, that was good time. That was good time. I feel like it's it spaced just, like, out a little bit better. It carries you. I feel like it's spaced Goodfellas. out a little bit better. I think there's like there's moments where I think they're punctuated like, more. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this film. There's like a lot of scenes where I feel like the music. Like just mix it down like you're in a club so you can mix it down and people won't really care and it's just really fucking loud and it's like over top of people shouting things and it's just like Jesus Christ this... and like I said it's good music it's great but man I didn't remember it being like non-stop so, alright <laughs> it's good though yeah it's good Boogie Nights premiered at TIFF and in New York Film Festival before it was released in theaters in October of 1997, it would go on to earn $26.4 million in the U.S. and $16.7 million internationally for a worldwide box office of $43.1 million on a $15 million budget. So needless to say, not it bad. was uh, not bad. Not bad. Paul Thomas Anderson had a nice little hit on him. Uh, second film in. That's pretty yeah. crazy. It is pretty astounding, though. Second film in, he immediately jumped into like, like award contention. Uh, immediately <coughs> praised by critics and audiences. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, that, for your that, second film, it takes it take a while longer for, for West. West. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, which is fair. I think Boogie yeah. Night is award worthy, but mm, not maybe not until it. I think Royal Tenenbaum is award worthy. Yeah. But I think the first two probably not. Yeah. But I love Bottle Rocket. And I love Rushmore. I think we'll get to Rushmore yeah. next week, but next week. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I don't know. The film saw a lot of praise from critics and audiences, like you know, and like I said earlier, Burt Reynolds, you know, he, he was nominated for Academy Award. <laughs> Julianne Moore was also nominated for Academy Award. ETA was nominated for Best mm. Original Screenplay, Lost and Through a Chair. <laughs> And uh, 
So it seems that PTA, yeah, he just he just really jumped in. Second feature, and he's really starting to see what he could do with that ensemble cast. But I, I'm excited to see what he does next, further delve into it with his next film, which will be covering two weeks' time. Magnolia. Magnolia. I hope that one lived up. I hope so too. I hope that one hope lived so up to I was really excited for this one. I felt like sort of let down. I didn't hate it. Let down. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad. What's next week? Well, next week we're back with the other Anderson. We're looking at Wes Anderson's sophomore feature. We're going back to school, Phil. <laughs> we are. We're proving to daddy, daddy that we're not a fool. Back to school. Daddy. Daddy. Proving to daddy. Back to school. Back to school. That I am not a fool. It's Rushmore. Oh, God. I wish we were doing that. <laughs> hey, man. Rushmore's great. Look, I like I Rushmore, Rushmore from what I remember. From what I remember, I like it. I'm actually really interested in rewatching it because I've only seen the one. But it's no Billy Madison. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Billy Madison's a bad movie. It's fun, but it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want the Chris Farley I just cut. knew that. Just the Chris off. Farley scenes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, no, I'm excited too because I genuinely don't remember. If anything, I remember not liking it, um, uh, you know, it ranking lower. Like not liking it as much as I thought I would, but I'm hoping a rewatch will change yeah. that. I'm excited. I haven't seen it in a few, I don't a few years, but I love it. I love Jason Schwartzman in it. I've always loved Jason Schwartzman Me anyway, too. and he's fucking great in it's it. Bad. He's really funny. So cool. Bill Murray's great in it. Bill Murray showed up. And you really start to get like the 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 weighty sort of like Wes Anderson, like his weightiness, like the sort of depressing mm. sort of side that he can bring to this weird, quirky worlds. He does it so well in those yeah, earlier like films. Middle class, yeah, you know, issues. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to, for you to see it again. Join us next week yeah, for another round week. of Anderson versus Anderson. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys are enjoying this Anderson versus Anderson uh, ping pong in between the two people. Keep chatting in at the PCC podcast over on Twitter and Instagram or send us an email podcastprincehawkcinema.com or go over to breadcrumbscollective.com you can send us a message through there as well let us know what you think of Anderson versus Anderson are you Team West are you Team PTA uh, do you hate me for bad-mouthing Boogie Nights and not getting it because I'm stupid um, or do you hate do you hate Boogie Nights do you hate Phil for liking it so much let us know uh, <laughs> you can Come find at me, me at if Tom anyone Girl. hates me for liking Boogie Night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How controversial. You can find me at Tall for All, T A L, the number four A L, on Twitter, Instagram, and my band's page on Facebook doesn't really exist anymore. And Phil, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at Far Away Dad on Twitter and in real life. Um, and uh, Dog that I Met on the Gram. And I'm at the cinema now. Yeah. Large and in charge. Come say hi. I mean, you can't really. I won't. Only if you if you're a dick and you're like, can I speak to the manager? Then you might see me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only time now. (laughs) What? You can cut that out. Um, I'm at the. I'm back at the cinema. You can come see me there. (laughs) I'm gonna leave all that. (laughs) Yeah, cut that. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) I do. I still work behind the kiosk when it's fucking busy. So I might give someone their popcorn. I saw you. You're out. I went in. 
I went out on Yeah, but you came for like a movie and shit. It's not like you just came in and were like, yeah, give me a beer. No, <laughs> no one right. does that. No one does that. Everybody does that. Are you kidding me? Give me a beer. You've been away too long. Just coming out like from the street. It's like, that only happens on Saturday nights found. on All Nighters during fucking crazy last year. That's how. That's how every patron found. Give me a beer. To me. <laughs> okay, give, give me a, a beer. beer. Hey, <laughs> what kind of beer you got? Give me popcorn. Yeah. Oh, man. Great. All right. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. We're going back to school. Rushmore. We're going back to school. Hashtag Team PTA. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Fuckboy All Tour. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.